When people ask for a king, Shmuel's reaction, the Novi tells us, And it was very bad in Shmuel's eyes, And we saw previously that Shmuel took objection to the fact that they wanted the king to judge them, which really meant he was usurping his position. But that doesn't say clearly what he davened for. So the way the Mephoshim explains it is he davened to get Nebuah from Hashem to be told what, what's the right response. In other words, Shmuel wasn't happy with what the people asked for, but he didn't know what the right way to respond to them was. So he davened to Hashem to, to, to advise him how I meant to answer Klai Yisrael. And that is the first thing Hashem tells him. So Hashem responds to Shmuel. And he says to him, Yishma b'kala'am. Listen to the people, everything that they said to you. Which would mean, it seems that Hashem is, so to speak, accepting the, the, what the people said. He said, listen, listen to what they're saying to you. And, but now, the second part of the postdoc doesn't seem to follow the first part. The first part of the postdoc was Hashem, so to speak, asserts the right of the people to, to ask for a king. Listen to what they told you. But the second part of the postdoc, is, it wasn't a rejection of you, it was a rejection of me. And uh, looking at the Pasuk, it doesn't seem to make sense how the second part of the Pasuk follows after the first part of the Pasuk. What's the one going to do with the other one? In other words, if it was a rejection of Hashem, what they were asking for, so then the question is, so then why would that be something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants them to do? It's a charis, it wasn't what Hashem wanted. So, how does how does the pasuk read? I understand what what the complication. But where is where they're rejecting Hashem? So Hashem adds, "Kachol amasim asher also." Exactly what they did miyayim hadosi as mitzrayim v'adayim azeh. Exactly what they've done since I took them out of mitzrayim until today, and that is vayazvoni the whole way along the journey. They're abandoned Hashem again and again. Vayavdalim acherim they worship the other gods. Kain heim v'oisim gam loch. They're doing the same thing to you. And this is a tremendous accusation of Klai Yisrael. That Hashem saying what they're doing now is just a continuation of their evil habits. You know, until they've, they've always been the sinful people, they've always been rejecting Hashem and running to serve Avodah Zarah, they're doing the same thing now, nothing changed. But they're at a high level under Shem. And the question is, where they're serving Avodah Zarah? They asked for a king, they asked for the king to judge them, and uh, well, why would that be equated with serving Avodah Zarah? That Hashem gives it such a severe, uh, so to speak, comparison. Only when Shmuel's old. Oh. A sweeping accusation. Right. So what's the reason? Yeah. So the starting point, you said, I'll just repeat the main points again. And that is the, the thank you. The accusation against Hashem, or the rejection of Hashem, that Hashem senses what they say, was a, a rejection of Hakadosh Baruch Hu's leading them, like we said on Shabbos. And that is why, Klai Yisrael, why are you looking to find yourself the leader? Let Hashem take control. Let Hashem find you the leader. Just like he found Yishmuel. And if Shmuel's gotten to the stage where he's no longer capable of leading, so then we'll wait for Hashem to show us who the leader is meant to be. And therefore the first thing Hashem, Shmuel felt this was a rejection of him because they don't want him as a leader anymore. And Hashem said it's much more than that. It's a rejection of Hashem. It's a rejection of Hashem because it means Shmuel feel we have to take the, the initiative to find leaders into our own hands. And therefore, we have to choose, we decide we want the king, we have to choose we want to find the king. 
And why are you doing that? Let Hashem decide that it is meant to be. And if Hashem appointed Shmuel, and Hashem feels Shmuel is no longer a good enough leader, then he'll find a replacement for Shmuel. In other words, the, the same thing which, the, which Shmuel felt was a rejection of himself, Hashem says it's really a rejection of Hashem. Because it's clearly saying that we don't feel Hashem's appointee as a leader isn't good enough anymore. Therefore, we feel we need to make our own status and find a leader on our own. That's and that's why... But but the uh, Ellie did that. So uh, his his sons are going off, and uh, Shmuel worked it out that that, that Shmuel will take over instead. Right. When Ellie's sons will do the right thing, Hashem found a new leader. He brought yeah. Shmuel. And that's why uh, Shmuel's Shmuel, uh, Shem says to Shmuel, "This is a continuation of the general lack of emuna they've had since they took him out of Mitzrayim, and that is the vayazvuni. Being faithful to Hashem means." Let Hashem take control. Let Him make the decisions and let Him lead you. But the, the nature of Thai Israel is that they're too quick to try and work out things for themselves and take, the, so to speak, the reins in their own hands. So Hashem says this is just another manifestation of that same middle which they've had from the beginning, which is they don't let Hashem take control. And like we said on Shabbos, it was the underlying chet of the chet Egel too. The underlying chet of the chet Egel wasn't just that they made an Egel. That was the second step. The first thing was Sarumayim and Aderech. And that is, you feel that you abandoned without Moshe Rabbeinu. You feel you don't know what's going to be next in the Midbar. Okay, so there's Hashem. Let him find a new leader. If it's not true that Moshe died and now the Torah shall need a leader, so wait for Hashem to appoint somebody else. He's, he's responsible for you. Why do you have to run to look for something else and make an ego? And it therefore comes to that same Sarim and Adarech, which means Torah shall weren't willing to wait for Hashem to take control. And that's very interesting. Because the king that was appointed was Shaul. And we're going to see that Shaul made uh, one of the first mistakes Shaul made is exactly the same thing. Shmuel told him when he appointed him as a king that we're going to see, he said, you're going to go to a war against the Tishtim. Wait for me to come. I'm going to come to, to, to bring the carbon which will give you the Hatzlach in the war. Wait for me. And Shaul's waiting and the Tishtim operation and Shmuel's nowhere to be seen. And then he says, forget, I can't wait anymore. I'm going to do it myself. And uh, he brings the carbon on his own, and as soon as he finishes, Shmuel arrives. So there's a carbon, so I brought it myself. So Shmuel tells him, you're skelter, you're stupid. And why? Because the very same mistake that Thaisrael made to ask for a king, Shaul made and proved he wasn't worthy of being a king. And that is, you have to stand back and let Hashem take control. You have to stand back and let Hashem take control. If a person feels, I have to deal with things on my own, so then that's the mistake which Hashem blames Thaisrael here for being. Okay, so that's the first point. That's why. Regards to doing Ishtavos, they were expected better, I'm assuming? It's not an area of Ishtavos. It's an area which is up to Hashem. Leave him to do it. Hashem is the appointed leader for the Jewish people. We don't, we don't have to do Ishtavos in that area. That's Hashem's prerogative. Leave him alone and let him take care of it. He'll find the leader. It's his, it's his representative, and he'll, Hashem can do a good job. He'll find the leader he wants. It's not an area we have to do Ishtavos in. But isn't there's some areas where maybe it's up to a person to do, and a person is meant to uh, take the initiative, obviously relying on Hashem to help him. In some areas, it's clearly Hashem's job to do. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, it's not our, we don't have to get involved in that. It's Hashem's job, we, He can take care of it. We don't have to do that. Appointing a leader. And therefore, to appoint the leader for Kali Yisrael is Hashem's job, not ours. It's not our status to make ourselves a leader. That's Hashem's job. He's responsible for Kali Yisrael. He'll find the leader for Kali Yisrael. So that's why Hashem didn't like about what they say. 
And that's why I said it was a rejection of him. Okay, so that's the... Uh, yeah. And, and if Hashem appoints leaders and are inadequate leaders, is there any responsibility on, on the individual? That's a good question. We're going to talk about that better much more when you get to the kings. Well, some of the kings were Rishon. And then now what's the individual's responsibility if he's under the leadership of a leader who chooses to be a Russian? Because, again, Hashem can appoint the leader, but the leader can choose what he wants to be. Yeah. And if the leader becomes a Russian, then what are the citizens meant to do? So this comes, this, this is a really discussion with we'll Melachim. A number of times it comes up when there was a king who became a Russian on the throne. Now what, what are the citizens meant to do about it? I mean, even one of the most famous examples, the Raven ben Levat. He started off in Sadiq. And on the power corrupted him. And now what Klaishal meant to do when they're under the leadership of somebody who was appointed as a king but has uh, turned into a Russia uh, on the throne. So that, that's where there's a discussion of what's the Jewish people's uh, way or how they're meant to react. But in the meantime, so that's the first point which uh, we saw over here. And that is, Hashem says it's rejection of him. Now, then we have the second part of the process. He says, everything they've done to me, they're doing the same thing to you. Which means that the, 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 that same attitude of which Hashem says was a rejection of him. The guys will feel we need to do things on our own. We have to find our own leaders. So they're saying, he says to Shmuel, so it wasn't something personal against you. Like, they didn't like you as a leader. And that's why they're rejecting you. It's rather than Klaish shall think that they have to take the initiative to find themselves new leaders. And therefore, it's, it's primarily a mistake against Hashem. The mass in this case, it's affecting Shmuel as well, because once he's still alive, it wasn't right to look to ask for someone to replace him when he's still alive. And what should have happened? Now, we say always a clown in one is, a Kaddish Baruch helps when his help is needed, not long in advance. And therefore, Klai Yisrael was thinking ahead. Shmuel's getting old. He isn't as careful as before. The day will come where he'll, he'll no longer be there. Let's plan now who the new leader is going to be. And the mistake was, well, first he shouldn't ask Shmuel to find someone to replace him while he's still in office. So Shmuel was upset. But more than that, it shouldn't be your job at all. So Hashem will find a new leader when? When the leader is necessary. If right now Shmuel is still capable of being a leader, so we don't have to think what's going to be in the future. When the, when the future comes, Hashem will take care of it. Now, we say this many times. The side of Imani is HaKadosh Baruch who helps when he needs to. Hashem doesn't help ahead of time. And it's Peshitta like that. Because if Hashem would help ahead of time, then it would take away Imani. Because now I don't need to around him anymore. I've already been helped. And therefore, the Atzad of Hashem comes when it's necessary. And if it's just to wait, now that it's in your den, Hashem will help. There's no reason to, to, to intervene beforehand. You know, people worry and have been when the children are still young, how are we going to have enough money to marry them off one day? Now, if we had a certain amount of money put away now for our child's husband in 15, 20 years' time, how they would be calm. That's not a money. That's relying on the money. But the money is, when the child becomes a chasna al-Qaeda, then Hashem will step in. That's when it's necessary. When the child's still small, there's no reason for Hashem to pay the marriage expenses now. It hasn't happened yet. But the money is, what, even though right now, I don't know how it will happen in the future, but when it happens, Hashem will take care of it. When it that's, that's when it's necessary, and that's when Hashem, that's when Hashem will, will, will get involved. And, and one always works like that. When the need is necessary, Hashem will bring the leader. It doesn't have to be beforehand. About the nursing name is Achman the Eater, right? Right. You said one time the story of the Shlom Salman and the Yashiv, 
that when they you know, shout their children and Especially that's what it is. If that's the case, if a Kaisha are doing something bad, so why should, why should Shmuel listen to them? If Hashem says that what they're doing isn't right, it's exhibiting an act of Bitafan, so why is this the explanation of listen to everything they told you? And in Pasuk Tas, Hashem repeats it again. Listen to what they said, and why? Why should it's not the right thing to do? So why should you listen to them? So the Malbim explains that. The, it was listening to them was really a punishment. Listening was really a punishment because really what should have been is they, sh- they shouldn't have they shouldn't have had a king at this stage. It wasn't at the right time for it. The right time was like we said after Shmuel died, then David Amalek would become the king. That was the right. That, that was still two years ahead, and that's when it would have, that's when Hashem was priming David for the job when he'd be ready for it. But the 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 fact that Kaisal try to get in the head and try to make themselves a king wasn't the right thing. But, and that's the case, the king was going to be the ultimate source of punishment. Now, if you see that it, it caused a lot of thirst later on, uh, Shaul's kingship. Shaul's a tzaddik at the beginning, but nevertheless, uh, it was it caused the Kemal civil war in Kalaistra. Like we'll see, uh, the Shaul's kingship. And therefore, Hashem said, listen to them. They ask for the king, they'll get the king. But it's not, it's not necessarily a reward for them. But it gives them a chance to, to do Chava first. And it says, Ach, ki bahem. Warn them first. Hashem Warn them what, what it means to have a king. So they did the wrong thing by asking. But you warn them, and then as a result of the warning, they're going to backtrack. They're going to retract their request. Okay, so then, we'll, then they don't have to get the king. And therefore, what Shmuel is going to tell them now is the warning that Ke'ilu, why it's not good for them, maybe we'll have the influence on Christ of making them retract the request. And so it says, And therefore, Hashem repeats everything Hashem says to the people who ask for a king. What was everything Hashem said? That is the rejection of Hashem. And it's a lack of Imuna. And so what you meant to do. And it's a continuation of the same trend that Christ has always had to abandon Hashem. He told it to them. And now what's the Mishpat HaMelech, which Hashem told him to tell them? So he tells them, Mishpat HaMelech, And this will be the law of the king, who you're going to choose as a king over you. And now we saw a king has rights. A king has rights by virtue of being a king. And uh, this, this wasn't something that Shmuel had as a shaifet, or the Kohen Gadol had, or any of the other Nevi'im had. This is something new, which as a king, he has the right to exert a certain, uh, a certain force uh, uh, control of the people, and what can you do with that force? He says, You can take your sons, the Samleb and Parasha, you can put them in the army, you can make them ride his chariots or be his cavalry. They're going to be the ones to ride like the soldiers, to foot soldiers to ride in front of the chariots. You can't stop him. The right to the king has the right to mobilize the people. Make them officers in the army, or even to do, his, you can make them laborers. To plow his field, to reap his crops, or to manufacture his weaponry, to make uh, to make chariots or swords or whatever other weapons the king needs. And then again, do Klaishlo have the right to refuse the forced labor the king employs in them? No, they don't. The king has the right to take people to work for him. And we see there were kings who did this. Shlemah for example, when he wanted to build a base of Ektosh, and he needed a lot of laborers. Okay, forced labor. He, he put the Israel into groups. 
and everybody had to, you know, for a month or two months, whatever it was, out of every few months, there was a, there was compulsive compulsory labor. Everybody had to go and chop wood or use stones, whatever it was necessary to build a vessel like So the king has the right to force people to work for him. Not just boys, girls as well. Rakachos is to make spices, and Netabachos uh, is as cooks, Loifis is bakers. Once again, you can't you can't stop him. You know, the king has the right to to force people to work for him. Somebody has the right to take property. You can take your fields, you can take your vineyards and give it to your servants. Now this is already a question. What right does the king have to take property? To say that there's a certain amount of service that the king needs, he needs people to work for him, and therefore the, the, the nation has to provide enough workers for the, wherever, the, wherever the national uh, enterprises are going to be. Okay, that makes sense. What right does he have to appropriate property? It's not for some some major national reason. It's for personal reasons. But it's a tough question. And we see that there were kings who wanted to take property. They didn't have an easy recourse how to take it. For example, King Ahab. He wanted uh, his neighbor's vineyard, novice's vineyard. And he couldn't take it from him. He had to... The only way he could get it was making a front-up charges that novice uh, had rebelled, had, had cursed Hashem and the king, and then he killed him on a false pretext and took his property. He couldn't just take it from him without that. And so what, what right does Shmuel say the king has just to go and take property? Which is like a question. What, 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 where we see the king has the right to take property for himself? In other words, if it's for a reason, that's how the Gemara says, that they want, for some reason he needs to pave the road. And the road's going through somebody's field. Okay, so you can appropriate the field for the common good. That's the land. But to take it for himself, we don't find that the king has the right to do that. Same thing he says, He's going to take a percentage of your grapes, of your olives, but not necessarily In other words, the king can impose taxes. The king can impose taxes, he can take a percentage of your profits, and that we already see from Yosef at Sadi. When Yosef was the ruler of Egypt, so he told everybody, four fifths for you and one fifth to Pharaoh. I'm going to tax you. And the king has the right to do that. And again, why, why is the, what, what right does the king have to impose a tax? And the understanding of, and this is an important point, because uh, the reason, the understanding halakh, why the king is allowed to tax people, is because he's providing a service. Whether it's he's, he's, he's maintaining an army or whatever other common service he's providing, so he has the right to tax people in order to pay the expenses of whatever he's doing for them. So therefore, like the example here, if, if the king has to be the one to maintain the army, he needs to feed the army. He's allowed to take food from everybody to feed the soldiers. And the understanding of that is, is because... He's working for the common good. And therefore, in order to, to do things which are for the public benefit, he's out of charge everybody. Now, this is an important point, because does the person have to be a king for that? Or is that a general principle in halakh? Which means anybody who's in, who's in public office, and therefore acting on behalf of the public, does he have the right to charge everybody because it's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm, working for, I'm not using the money for myself. I'm using it for a common, a common value, a common benefit, and if I'm right, I'm allowed to make everybody pay. I mean, well, this always comes up in the base, then is a vibe bias. The vibe bias, whoever is unhappy, you know, a neighbor who gets the job, isn't the king. There's no law that you can force other people to give him money. So what's the argument? I'm taking the money for the benefit of everybody. It's to clean the floor, it's to make sure there's lights in the stairs, it's uh, in the staircases, it's uh, to fix things which are broken, whatever it's going to be. And that's the case, and they are right to charge everybody for everybody's benefit. 
and if that's the case, so then it doesn't have to be a king for that. The, so the fact is that I'm using the money to benefit everybody, so there's a good argument. Rabbi Yosha famously said, uh, as everyone likes to talk about the fact that, you know, halakhically does uh, the state of Israel have a halakhic status of the government, it doesn't have a halakhic status of the government, everyone likes to argue the points forwards or backwards. Rabbi Yosha always said, it doesn't really make a difference, because once they're providing a certain services, so they have to charge money for it. So they're saying we're maintaining an army, or we're maintaining a health service, or we're maintaining the roads, whatever it's going to be, which means you're running a system which benefits you, but they're right to charge you. And then we said to say that, to, to argue the point of halakhically, are they a government, aren't they a government, that, and therefore people want to say, well, if that's the case, do I have to pay tax, do I don't have to pay tax? But the other voice said, it doesn't make any difference, because once they're running a system, so they're going to charge it to make the system run. And it's the same thing over here. The fact that the king's allowed to take, take things in order to provide a service, that's understood. If anybody who's running a, a system which is benefiting the public is allowed to take from the public to maintain the system. Like we said, the only question we really have is how I can take their property, because that isn't taking a percentage of the profit, that's taking something which belongs to them. Okay, we'll come back to that. He can take your servants, which means people who are used to working with their servants, and if the king wants them to work for him, he can appropriate them for himself. So he can take your animals, he'll use it for his, for his projects. And Samuel will take a percentage of your sheep, and only that you'll be his slaves too. In other words, besides for the fact that you can take uh, your children or your servants to work for him, and you can take a percentage of your income, you're a him as well, which means the right of a king is people have to listen to him. And if he makes the rules, then you must listen to the rules. So that's what Shmuel says to them, besides what you're going to have to pay the king, and the right that he has over you, you're better subjugating yourself. Because you, you, once as a king, you have to listen to him. And if that's the case, you're giving a tremendous amount of power to somebody who can use it against you. Because if he, if he isn't a king, so we don't find that any other Jewish leader has the right to do this to anyone. But it's for the national benefit. So, I mean, these things are not... Uh, again, we're explaining that it's not for his own personal use, it's for, it's for the national benefit. It's the national benefit, assuming he's a tzaddik. So this but is just telling them what might happen. But what might happen, and that's assuming that if a king isn't a tzaddik, mm-hmm. you're giving him a tremendous amount of power which can be used against you. And that's why he says, mm-hmm. The time will come when you're going to cry out to Hashem because of your king. In other words, because he's, he's ruling you with such an iron fist. Hashem that you chose for yourself. Hashem is not going to answer you. And this is also something we see in other cases also. The Gemara says it. And that is, there's certain times Hashem doesn't answer to it when a person put himself in a situation. So, it's when, when there's a certain Xerim in Hashemayim, and a person davens in Hashem, Hashem, please, you know, you've punished me, it's too hard for me. Please take the Xerim away. Okay, Tvila can work. But if something which is self inflicted, so on that, the Gemara says the Tefillah doesn't really work because it wasn't Hashem who did it to you, you did it to yourself. And therefore, Shmuel says to them, if you're going to land up with the king who's going to, you know, who's going to rule you with the, with the iron hand, and you're going to cry out from it, it's not going to help you because you've asked them, it's self-inflicted. You, you, ch- you chose to make the king for yourself. Okay, so that's Shmuel, so to speak, warning to them why it's not a good idea to take a king, and why it's not beneficial to them to take a king, what they're going to do from it. And did it work? No. Kaisra's response was, They refused to listen to him. He said, no. We want to kill. 
And the question is, we'll talk about this more tomorrow, Be'ez Hashem, and that is, what, what, the Kaya shall not listen to anything Shmuel said. There was so caught up with this idea of a king, a king, that all his words of warning and advice fell on deaf ears. Or no, they, they really had something to say back. In other words, they listened to what he said, but they didn't agree with him. Or there was a reason why they didn't want to want, didn't want to accept what he said. Or was it was just like, once, once they made up their minds, there was no one to talk to. They didn't even listen. They didn't even seriously consider all the points he made. Then we'll talk about it tomorrow. What, what was Chayyim's response to Shmuel when he told them all the reasons why a king wouldn't be to their benefit?